You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. And the most powerful person on the planet stoops down and allows himself to be arrested by people who really had no clue who he was and goes all the way to the cross. Loving Christ above all else leads to us loving others more than ourselves. And I have to stop and just say a word because some of you are are fairly new to LFC. We have so many incredible servants here. From our cleaning team that cleans our entire church voluntarily. We don't have a cleaning company come in. We don't have staff janitors. To our children's ministries team that takes care of your kids. To our worship team, to our sound team, our tech team. The people that are right now behind this wall making sure this video goes out. To people that maybe can't get to church. The lady who a couple months ago had a major surgery, and she said, thank God that I could still be connected to church through a camera and through some people in the back working the camera and the sound. It meant the world to her to be able to still be connected with us. Or to some of our military who have been deployed or overseas who watch us on the screen. And even a story about some of our allies that were together in Afghanistan And one of the soldiers from Great Britain gave his life to Jesus watching live stream from Lompoc. Just think think about that. Yeah, yeah. And then we have our hospitality team and our Monday night feeding team and our cafe team. I am so proud of you. And those of you that just gave your offerings, you were just giving to the Lord's work what the world worships. They worship money and stuff. Have you noticed this? And our motivation, our inspiration is really uh, all that Jesus Christ did for us. Our desire should be to put to death all that lives in us so that we can live for the one who died for us. So this message, as limited as it's going to be because of time, but this, this message is rated G for growth. So if you don't want to grow, if you just want to stay the same and be stuck, Just think about something other than what I'm talking about today. But if you want to grow, you will see in 2 Corinthians 5, as we go there this morning, that Paul had had this radical transformation. We talked about it two Sundays ago. That from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Now, the Apostle Paul says, I see Jesus for who he is. Remember, in Paul's day, there were many people who said, I'm the Messiah. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Messiah. Just like today, so many people saying, I'm the way to God. Our brand of religion is the way to God. This is how you get to heaven. It really doesn't matter because everybody's going there. All dogs go to heaven. All people go to heaven. You know, come on. Good theology, right? But 2 Corinthians 5, he says in verse 9 to 10, so we make it our goal to what? To please him. Whether we're at home in the body or away from it, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, rated G for growth, come on, so that each of us may receive what is due for us, uh, the things that we've done while in the body, whether good or bad. And Paul was not afraid to die. 
Paul was not afraid to die and go see Jesus. Actually, to the Philippian church, he says, I can't decide. Is it better for me to stay here with you? I'm caught between a rock and a hard place. Or go be with Jesus. I'm like confused. And he was so grateful for what Christ had done in his life that he wasn't afraid of going and meeting the Lord. And then in verse 13, I love this. If we are out of our mind, as some say we are, it's for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. Hey, some people think you're crazy. I hope they think you're crazy. I hope somebody, because of your faith and because of your love and because of your service and because of the way you serve Jesus, somebody walks up to me uh, and you and says, are you out of your mind? You believe in that God stuff? You believe in Jesus Christ, virgin birth? You, you actually believe there's a Holy Spirit you can't see, but he works in you? Woo! You actually believe that? do 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 living in the twilight zone, you're living in some euphoria, you're living in some make-believe, Pixar kind of world. I love it when people say, you guys at Foursquare are crazy. It's good. It's all right. Because see, if you blend in too much all the time, there's something wrong with you. When I came to know Christ, a lot of my family disowned me because they were Jewish. They said, uh, we can't accept you anymore or uh, my cousin told me, I'll never speak to you again. How you doing? He said, are you crazy going over to the Goyams, going over to the Gentiles? That's you, by the way. Are you crazy? We're waiting for the Messiah to come. We don't believe in any of that stuff you believe in. And my cousin said, in essence, you're out of your mind. And I go, yeah, I'm out of my mind, all right. I'll be out of my mind for Jesus all of my life while he gives me breath. It's okay. It's okay. Now, Paul's going to tell us that the love of Christ impacted him. Matter of fact, write this down. The love of Christ shapes how we live. And as we think about the cross and how much he loves us, it should actually shape how we live. A leadership guru, John Maxwell, uh, was teaching this week at a leadership summit. and I, I saw part of the clip. I didn't get to, to watch the whole thing or attend but I saw part of the clip where he said these words, selfishness and significance are incompatible. Selfishness and significance are incompatible. If your life is all about you, you will not have a significant life. But if you're willing to be like Jesus, our servant, and give yourself away, he said in 2 Corinthians 5.14, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. His love compels us. Compels us. Jesus said it this way in 1334, John 1334. Let's read it together. A new commandment I give to you, that you, even as I have, that you also. By the way, if you want one verse that you could live on the rest of your life, this could be it. Just love people equal to the way that the Lord loved you. And he stooped down from heaven to come to earth. He stooped down from the table to wash his disciples' feet. And he stooped to the cross and gave his life for us. See, it's loving others compelled by Jesus' love that will transform you and transform your relationships. Somebody said, well, I, 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 I need marriage counseling. And that's good, folks. It's like changing the oil and the filter in a car. That's good. Rotate your tires. Preventative maintenance. But I'm going to give you one key to marriage. 
I've only been married last uh, Sunday was 40 years I've been married to my wife. Yeah. No, clap for her. I mean, that's... <laughs> yeah. She'll be in the next service. She loves me so much, but not enough to hear all three times. And... Uh, <laughs> But loving others compelled by Jesus' love will transform your marriage. Honey, I'm going to love you like Jesus loves me. Come on. I'm going to stop whining about it. I got to wash his socks. You don't got to wash his socks. You get to wash his socks. Hallelujah. I got to make you dinner again. You know? Isn't it something? Every couple that walks down the aisle, they go down, oh, I love you, baby. Love you too. Love you too. Just, just want to hear you breathe on the phone. Just want to smell you. Mm, you smell so good. Later on, the husband, he don't smell that good, does he? Huh? The love of Christ should be at the center of our families, at the center of our church. When you read 1 Corinthians 13, so, much, uh, so many times it's read at a wedding, and it tells us that, that, that love never stops believing. It expresses itself in faith, that love never stops hoping. That means love expects the best. Are you expecting the best in your relationships, in your marriage, in your family, in your parenting, in your grandparenting? Or have you settled less than best? Love never stops hoping. It was one of the young men that's attending our Celebrate Recovery on Wednesday nights. And uh, he was here on a Sunday and he said to me, you guys will appreciate this. He, he said to me, Pastor Bernie, I, I still got some, some problems, but I'm hopeful. And I said, don't stop hoping. And then I said these words to him, because here's what hope does, fueled by love. I believe in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Don't stop hoping. And, and by the way, if you're dealing with hurts, habits, and hang-ups, celebrate recovery on Wednesday nights over in our Connections building. It's for anybody. It's not just for drug addicts or alcoholics. It's for people that can't get along and codependents. Just met. If you're messed up, that's where you belong on Wednesday night. <laughs> We should all be there. <laughs> There'll be no room, you know, if we're all honest, right? And then he says, then he says, Jesus says, by this all men will know that you're my disciples. If you have love one another, if you hope in somebody who's lost hope, if you believe in them, if you love one another, the world's going to know that, that you came. And when I read the story about Jesus, and I wish I had time to unpack this, but he calls 12 disciples that were nothing like each other. Matter of fact, some of them weren't even allowed to be at the table together, and Jesus called them in. They would have never gone to in and out together, I promise you. They would have never gone to Southside and had a cappuccino, I promise you. But there they were at the table, and Christ brought them together. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ brought us together. He died for us. The cross is the great equalizer, folks. It doesn't matter if you've got a PhD or never made it past the eighth grade. It doesn't matter if you make six figures or you make no figures or you lost your figure. <laughs> Come on. You're trying to get it back. <laughs> We're all sinners who need a Savior. And that's why Paul says the love of Christ compels us. See, real love is without thought of return, but rather impact. We have this, uh, th these initials, 
ROI, return on investment. How much you invest, what will you get back? And the world is big on reciprocity. I give to you, you give to me. I scratch your back, you scratch on my back. I give you a network deal, I connect you with somebody, you owe me a sale. You know what I mean? And, and that's the way our world is driven. But Jesus didn't serve in order to get anything back. Matter of fact, when he washes the disciples' feet, notice he doesn't say, now you wash mine. He says, no, no, you should go and do likewise. You should pay it forward. You should bless somebody else. Uh, this word compel, the love of Christ compels us, is defined in the Greek text as pressure. Pressure. It's defined as we're hemmed in. We're being pressurized to do one thing, and that's to love back. You know, in the Old Testament, when it talks about the glory of God, the glory of God, the Shekinah glory of God, you know the word for glory is the word weight? It's a weighty matter. It's a pressure. And I used to feel pressure, and, and I would pray against the pressure. Lord, take the pressure away. And I realized you can't rebuke God with God. And God was putting pressure on me, forming me, shaping me, molding me. And I was trying to push it off, cast off restraint. And rather, he was trying to build something inside of me. I think it's a valid question. What compels you? What drives you? What are you passionate about? What is the most important thing in your life? If you had one ticket, what would you give it up for? More tickets? If you had one wish, what would it be? You could... Go retire tomorrow and live on a lake somewhere and contemplate your navel? I mean, what would, what would, come on. How did I get here? Huh? If I had one wish, one wish, one wish, it would be that everyone on the planet would be impacted by the fact that God loves them deeply, that God values them deeply, that they would know the love of Christ Number two, the love that Christ has motivates us to stop living for ourselves. Selfishness and significance are incompatible. 2 Corinthians 5.15, he says, After he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves. Isn't this hard? Is anybody else struggling with this? You know, I've got stuff I want to do and be and places I'd like to have been in my life. But isn't this... Hard to do, to die to yourself. I had a young intern in my very first church, and uh, I only pastored two churches, and I'll only ever pastor two churches, because once you come to Lompoc, I mean, who'd ever be foolish enough to leave here, you know? I just saw a girl the other night on Twitter. I, I use Twitter, and I, I hashtag Lompoc, or I search for Lompoc, and I, I just can't wait to get out of here. Been back 24 hours. I hate this town. I'm going, leave already. <laughs> You'll be back, sweetheart. They all come back, you know. And we had this marquee out in front of the church, you know, the kind you put the letters in. And uh, th this guy was going to Fuller Seminary, and he was working at our church as a youth pastor, and he was studying the German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. He put the quote on the, and then, and then below in big letters he said, we welcome you, come die with us. 
And he beat me to the office that morning, and I drove in, and I said, Greg, what have you done? He goes, people need to know to follow Christ is to die to themselves. I go, yeah, but it's, it's not attractional. Nobody's going to want to come. Because, you know, we all want to come to Jesus to be blessed. Bless me, Lord. Save me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. Redeem me, Lord. Deliver me, Lord. Make the weather to my liking, Lord. Help me get a raise, Lord. Help my kids be cute and smart and everybody be impressed with them, Lord. Please. And Jesus says, and Paul says in verse 14, because we are convinced that one died for all, therefore all died. We're to die to our stuff. We're to die to ourselves. We're, we're to die to who we want to be when a few weeks ago Jesus reminded us that we're to serve him and follow after him. And Paul reminded us that we are ministers of reconciliation and ambassadors. How many of you really want to follow Jesus? Come on, I'm just curious. How many really want to follow Jesus? Okay. How many really want to follow Jesus, right? Well, let me give you one of Jesus' statements. Luke 9, 23. Then he said to them all, if anyone wants to become my follower, he must deny himself, which in modern day language means it's not all about you. And I know this is challenging. Some of you came to hear a frou-frou message, three points about how you can feel better about yourself. And, and let me tell you how you feel better about yourself. When you love people like Jesus, when you love people that you don't even like, when you love people that are different than you, and you take up your cross, how often? Oh, see, see, this is important. It's not, well, I got saved. I gave my life to Jesus at camp. I'm done now. I went to Women of Faith a few years ago. I committed myself to the Lord. I'm done now. I went to Women's Breakfast. I gave my life to Jesus. I'm done now. No, this is a lifelong process. I was sitting in a room with these really smart theologians, and I was the dumbest guy in the room. What do you do when you're the dumbest guy in the room? You be quiet. And, uh, and one of the guys said, when, when will we be fully delivered? And the goatee, the guy, I mean, was a professor. And he says, do you mean positionally or experientially? And I just put out, experientially, like experience. He said, we will never be fully delivered until we see Jesus face to face. In the meantime, we must die to ourselves and quit being stupid. <laughs> I go, wow, quit being stupid. I wrote that down. I tried, to, I tried to quote him the next Sunday. It didn't work very well. The title of today's sermon is quit being stupid. Everybody said, why did you say that? Well, the professor, he's got like three doctorates and five PhDs. That's what he said. He gets paid big money to teach people. But he was so right. We have to keep dying to stuff that we want and, and our past. And Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Wouldn't it be great if Christ has kind of lived through us? Rick Warren said it best. He said, when you decide to live a totally surrendered life, that decision will be tested. Duh. Sometimes it will mean doing inconvenient, unpopular, costly, or seemingly impossible tasks. It will often mean doing the opposite of what you feel like doing. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. 
Isn't it true? Many of you know A.W. Tozer. If you've not ever read anything by Tozer, I can recommend this book especially called The Radical Cross. Let me just read part of it to you. You can leave that picture up there. If we should suddenly be revealed to those around us on the outside as Almighty God sees us within our souls, we would become the most embarrassed people in the world. Do we think that we are actually keeping our spiritual poverty a secret, that God doesn't know us better than we know ourselves, but we will not tell him? We disguise our poverty of spirit and hide our inward state in order to preserve our reputation. We also want to keep some authority for ourselves. We cannot, we, we cannot agree that the final key to our lives should be turning everything over to Jesus Christ. We want to have dual controls. Let the Lord run it, but keep our hand on the controls just in case God fails. We're willing to join heartily in singing to God be the glory, but we are strangely ingenious in figuring out ways and means by which we keep some of the glory for ourselves. A man who doesn't have enough imagination to invent anything will still figure out a way of seeking his own interests. And the amazing thing is that he will do it with the help of some pretext which will serve as a screen to keep him from seeing the ugliness of his own behavior. So we talk a lot about a deeper life and spiritual victory and becoming dead to ourselves, but we stay very busy rescuing ourselves from the cross. That part of ourselves that we rescue from the cross may be a very little part of us, but it is likely to be the seat of our spiritual troubles and our defeats. No one wants to die on the cross, Tozer says, until he comes to the place where he is desperate for the highest will of God in serving Jesus Christ. Paul the Apostle was willing to be crucified with Christ, but in our day we want to die a piece at a time. So we can rescue little parts of ourselves from the cross. Until we give up our own interest, there will never be enough stirring within our beings to find God's highest will in and through our lives. There's a moment of surrender, and then there's the practice of surrender. I've been working hard at doing this in my own life. The practice of surrender. Not just, I give you all, Jesus, it's Sunday. Now tomorrow it's Monday. Do my thing. I'll see you in six days. It's every day. It's every morning. It's every hour to say, God, I want to practice surrender. Here's a thought, and I don't want to have that thought. Here's an attitude, and I don't want to have that attitude. Here's an action I'm about to do. I'm about to give somebody a piece of my mind. Stop giving people pieces of your mind because there won't be any of your mind left to give. 2 Corinthians 5.14, And he died for all, but those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them was raised again. The practice of surrender requires perseverance. Perseverance. Lord, I'm not through with you because you're not through with me, and I want to give you these attitudes. I want to give you these sins that so easily tangle me up and make me fall. I want to give you my life. I give you my life. Bill Bright, uh, the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, some of you are familiar with the organization. 
Or maybe the Four Spiritual Laws, his little track that he had. Or maybe the Jesus film has been viewed by over 1 billion with a B people. It's estimated over 160 million people have given their lives through the Jesus film and through the gospel tracks, the four spiritual laws. Bill was asked, why did God use and bless his life so much? What was the secret? And he said that I signed a contract as a young man with God, wrote it out myself, And I literally wrote these words, from this day forward, I am a servant of Jesus Christ. And I signed my name to the contract. Whenever I felt like giving up, I got the contract back out. Hey, have you signed a contract like that with God? To give him your life, to give him your heart? As we end in the last 40 seconds, right? Four ways to pursue no longer living for ourselves. The first one is to be still and listen to God. You can write them all down and they're all there for you. Just be still and listen to God. Ask God how he feels about your heart. Ask Jesus, Lord, am I, am I being a servant like you were? Am I following after you, the greatest servant of all? Or are you feeling pretty good about how I'm serving you? And then number two, pray desperately. I don't know if you pray desperate prayers. I know when we mostly pray desperate prayers is when we have a crisis, when we have a physical conflict, or, or when our, 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 our body's wearing down. Maybe we need a healing touch. But do you ever pray desperately, Lord, change me from the inside out? Change my attitudes? Help me to love people like you? Okay, I told you, G for growth. But how about we, 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 we crash the, the gates of heaven and say, God, I'm not going to leave till you help me change my life. I want to grow. I want to be more like you. At the end of the service, our prayer team will be uh, down here by the cross. Maybe you just need somebody to pray with you and encourage you that God will give you the courage to go forward and surrender yourself to him afresh. Or maybe for the first time. Number three, you've got to feed your soul. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say to me, Pastor, I'm not being fed here. And I go, got it. I'll get you for an hour and 15 minutes. Sure, got it. Well, I need to be fed. I said, feed yourself. You reading your Bible during the week? Well, I come to church to get fed. No, you reading your Bible? You following after the Scripture Observation Application Prayer? That's our SOAP acronym, and they will teach you how to do that. You go to a guest service, you get a packet. It'll teach you how to... Devote, do your devotions. We've got Bible bookmarks that are free in there for you to kind of follow along. I mean, it's great. Feed yourself. Feed your soul. Some of you have never turned into Right Now Media. It's awesome. Well, we got Netflix. This is better. There's over 10,000 messages and Bible studies online. Men, women, parents. They've got, oh, a plethora of cartoons. Veggie Tales is still there. It's all there. McGee and Me, remember that? It's all there. And if you've got a computer, you have access online, you go to Right Now Media, go to our website, it'll tell you how to get it. We pay a subscription monthly so you can get it for free. Feed your soul. Feed your soul. And number four, ask the right people to help you identify your self-centeredness. Ouch. But if you want to grow in, in, in your capacity to serve the Lord and to serve others like Jesus served you, then you've got to ask the hard questions. I have people in my life that I ask the hard questions for. And my wife and I 
we have a relationship where I'll say to Debbie, how am I doing? And she'll say, you really want to know? Is my tone okay, hon? You, you see me interact with people. How am I doing? How am I doing? And I, I can tell you this. I mean, God is my witness. She has helped me more than anybody because we have a relationship where she can speak to me. And sometimes I feel like, you know, filet fish like she filleted me open. <laughs> but her intention is for me to grow and develop and be more like Jesus. So we're okay in that. I don't want my husband telling me about me. Well, then get over it. Who knows you like your husband? Who knows you like your wife? Who knows you like your kids? Who knows you like your boyfriend or girlfriend? Who knows you like your neighbor? Who knows you like your coworker? Go ask somebody the question. Am I self-serving or, or am, I, am, I, am I giving? Am I selfish or am I selfless? I mean, I, I would ask people that. Why? Because in the end analysis, we want to be more and more like Jesus Christ. All God's plans have the mark of the cross on them, and all his plans have death to self in them. Think about that. Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com.